Very good morning to Janja Cornish. Bonjour to you, Amy. I'm sure that you have been watching the cattle ship story closely, Jean-Jacques, and in fact, the first topic of conversation on your list this morning is also to do with a bit of animal cruelty. Well, you know, Amy, you not, could not be surprised by this. I have been a vegetarian these past 54 years, so uh, it's, uh, you know, it's something very close to my heart. You know that uh, our donkey populations in Africa have been decimated by the Chinese buying donkey skins. I mean, in uh, Kenya, they've almost wiped out the donkeys. Uh, the Chinese got rid of most of their donkeys. They basically use those skins to make a medicine called Ejiao, uh, which has supposed anti-aging properties, but these are unproven, I have to tell you. Happily, at the AU summit in Addis Ababa at the weekend, they banned or they declared illegal the uh, sale of donkey skins. And uh, charities like the uh, Donkey Sanctuary are delighted by this and are very, very concerned. Not only have the Chinese decimated donkey populations in Africa, but in South America. So hopefully something will happen with that too. But it's a case, you know, it's rather like the rhino horn, where mm-hmm. it has so-called medicinal properties. However, nobody has proven these. So, uh, but you know, when it comes to Chinese medicine, I think uh, tradition and and uh, superstition is, matters as much as actual medical proof, right? Eh? But John Jacques, you know, I'm obviously pleased to hear that it's banned. But how effective will that be? I mean, we've seen what's happening with the rhinos. Yeah, and I don't imagine that they're going to protect the donkeys with the same assiduousness as they protect or try to protect the rhinos. But, I mean, to to to, to ban this, they had actually started uh, colonies of donkeys to, for the purpose of slaughtering them for their skins. Now, that's going to be illegal. Oh, so they'll have to do it, uh, they'll have to do it in a more uh, a subversive way. And, and I, I think that can be better controlled. All right, well, let's move to uh, the UN now, where Somalia ambassador to the UN has called on Ethiopia to deal with Somali as an act of war. You know, Somaliland withdrew from the uh, union with Somalia uh, 30 years ago because of Siad Barre. He he was very, very, very cruel. And, of course, uh, he took the part, the city of Mogadishu, the capital of Somaliland, so that one stone didn't stand on another. It was really shocking. I've been to Somaliland several times as an election observer. It's a true democracy in that part of Africa. Ethiopia has had close relations. It's its neighbor and has had close relations. Ethiopia, of course, um, 30 years ago, was... was, uh, made landlocked when Eritrea declared independence or became independent. So they are a land, one of the largest African countries, and they're landlocked. Now they've made a deal with Somaliland, buying 25 uh, kilometers of coastline. They've been using the uh, Somaliland port of uh, Berbera for some years now, but now they've got an, they're going to build their own port and, they've, and a naval base. And they've rented this, or in fact, for twenty for fifty years. Somali land has Somalia has been very has been preoccupied with its own stuff to do very little about Somalia, 
But now that this land issue has come up, you know, they, they really are making uh, hay of it. The Americans uh, made a statement at the weekend saying they're disappointed that no progress was made in settling the issue at the AU summit. But it is something that's going to that's going to fester like mad. The Somali president saying he hasn't even spoken to uh, the to the uh, Ethiopian president, and uh, it, it's something that will become a real festering sore. That Somaliland believes that they will get recognition, diplomatic recognition. They don't. They are not recognised, and and because of this supposed understanding that pre-colonial boundaries would be recognized but somali somali land was an italian a british protectorate and uh it, it 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 took independence and it was after independence that it joined with uh somalia in the hope of great creating a greater somaliland was somalia it was a it was a big, big mistake and they pulled out of it as soon as they could they pulled out of their own volition so the pre-colonial boundaries don't apply here but nevertheless, uh, Somalia has managed to maintain it, its status at the African Union. But it's something that we're going to have to watch very closely. Ethiopia, of course, with the Grand Ethi uh, Ethiopian Renaissance Dam and the relations with Somalia, with uh, Sudan and Egypt, very interesting. So Ethiopia in the middle of it. And with a bit of a famine looming, Ethiopia really has grown up problems on its hands. JJ, moving along, Kenyan opposition figure Raila Odinga throws his hat in the ring for the position of AU Commission Chair. Is that a good thing? Well, yes, he's a populist. And, uh, you know, Amy, interestingly, I didn't look up exactly how many times he'd lost an election. I think it's four. I think it's a bit uncool to kind of mention that. He was the uh, infrastructure, the special envoy for African infrastructure development between 2018 and 2023 and did did a good job apparently. Now this job, Nkosazana Dlamini Zuma, she held it for a po for a one term. Musa Faki, who took over from her, he's held it for two terms and he it falls vacant. He he leaves with his term limit expiring next year. Now the Kenyan opposition leader Raila Odinga is saying, or opposition figure, uh, that uh, that he wants to reverse the brain drain in Africa. He doesn't want skills to go out of the continent. He wants to make Africa an economic powerhouse or help to make Africa an economic powerhouse that will keep people here. So uh, it'd be very interesting to see what he does. First of all, he's got to win the position, and that is all about groupings. You know, I know that because Rana Dlamini Zuma had some trouble with the francophone countries, uh, uh, although she didn't want to talk about that, and, and South Africa never complained about it. But there was no doubt that every single thing she did was scrutinized, and she wasn't really given a fair crack of the whip. Now, Rilo Odinga, of course, coming from an Anglophone country, uh, is he going to feel the same kind of pressure, or will they feel that with Musa Faki now having served two terms, and he is Francophone, that it might be an Anglophone's term? Well, JJ, that brings our conversation to a wrap and it's time to say au revoir. But before we let you go, I think you should just listen into the next conversation, which is all about the Africa's Green Economy Summit. Might be something that you'll be interested in. Ah, you know, I'm covering a summit at the end of the month, the OPEC of gas. The, it's called the uh, uh, Gas Exporting Countries Forum, 19 countries. And they have a summit in Algiers. And I'm going to cover that. So we'll certainly be talking about it on Cape Talk. 
Fantastic. We look forward to that. JJ, as always, thank you very much for your time this morning. That's Jean-Jacques Cornish bringing you